Hello, and welcome back to Regular Programming with Queued Up Database. Uh, this is Jamie, and spoiler alert, I talk way too much in this coming episode. And this is Stephen Mochler, your other co-host, and spoiler alert, nepotism is what makes the world go round. So for the past few episodes, we've been doing shout outs and thank yous uh, for people who have helped us get this podcast off the ground. We want to do that one more time. That's it. That's all they get. And then we're done with the praise. Uh, but thank you to Table Cobbleson for creating our logo uh, and helping us get our branding on. And then Justin Sanders, Jamie's brother-in-law, uh, for helping us figure out how to do this and get it up and get it out to you guys. We hope that you have been enjoyed listening we've enjoyed making it uh in this week's episode another nepotism uh we are talking with jamie's wife mary margaret about gilmore girls so we hope you enjoy we this conversation went in a lot of different directions um and she was very open and emotionally vulnerable with us and we really appreciate uh her doing that for the podcast oh so uh, no one's more about gel coat. When the fourth round would. Don't you call in the. Oh, does it look good already? Okay. Gumbo Scampi for limited. If you're out on the road, feeling lonely and so cold, all you have to do is call my. Hello, 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 and welcome to the new and improved and greater than ever queued up database i am steven mokler one of your hosts and spoiler alert i don't think sylvia plath was crazy i think she was just cold and i'm jamie hill your other host and spoiler alert uh we've got a purring cat in the studio oh oh bandit <laughs> um, we're gonna have to inject some of it yeah, I'll try to get the microphone close to him. He'll probably hate it when I do that, though. <laughs> um, and uh, I'd like to introduce our guest today, uh, the lovely Mary Margaret Hill, uh, my wife. Hi. Oh, look at that. Isn't Aww, that weird to say? It's so very strange to say. I almost said girlfriend. Oh, and to um, say something more about that, today yeah. is officially our six-year anniversary of dating. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Just ha- happens to fall on this day. That's a good spoiler alert. Aw, that's so cute. Do you ever, Jamie, do you ever get, like, it's weird saying my wife, so you just, like, want to default to the Borat, like, my I, wife. All the time. All the time. And, like, it doesn't help that I listen to, like, the podcast I listen to every time. Like, all of them are comedians. So every time anybody says my wife, somebody's like, my wife. And I'm like, fuck. And so, like, that's all I think about when someone's, <laughs> when I, like, introduce, like, this is my wife. It's just natural. <laughs> Mary, Mary Margaret, is there any equivalent for, like, husbands? Like, my dude, like, I no. she likes any, She likes feel... to tell people I'm her ex-boyfriend. Oh, yeah. She does like Aww. telling people that. Yeah. My favorite ex. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Oh, this is disgusting. Oh, <laughs> so cute. And it's even going it, to... Oh, okay. All right. It's going to get mushier. Spoiler alert. It's going to get... <laughs> <laughs> so, um, 
I guess before we get into the meat of it, Mary Margaret, what is your favorite snack to to snack on while you're watching TV? So I debated this for a long time because I knew this question was coming. It was very difficult, but the answer back good. It's gonna be Oreos. Now, not just oh, any okay. Oreo. I really like the seasonal Oreos with the fun colors for the cream. Not the weird flavors, just the seasonal. Yeah, like orange cream or... Right now, the purple cream, very purple good. Purple cream. Now, oh, that sounds terrifying. Um, it sounds so scary. I know. No, it tastes regular. Oh, it's Don't amazing. Worry. And they're like... Okay. It's just fun. They're like... So this is my favorite. The Easter egg it- ones are my favorite version of the Oreo because they're like a little bit smaller, but they're not quite the Oreo minis. I think it's the perfect size for Oreos. Okay. Um. All right. I guess... Like in any good discussion of Oreos, how how do you eat them? How what is the proper way to eat an Oreo? Are we just like taking two chomps? Yeah, well, popping it all. In our- it depends. If are you we have, separating, if you, what are we doing? What's the situation with uh, how we're eating our Oreos? If you have the glass of milk, you have to dunk it. Do you dunk the whole? I mean, I know the answer. Most I'm asking the Oreo, for the podcast. Obviously, I dunk most of the Oreo. <laughs> you don't break. You don't break it apart. No, I do sometimes. If I don't have milk, I'll just honestly just bite into it. It's fine. The best way though is uh, so soaked with milk that you can barely pick it up. Yes, agreed. Oh, see, I'm not. I'm not that. No, I know you're not I'm a not milk guy. that at all. Okay, so I'm what do you say, Stephen? So. It depends on how childish I'm feeling, how playful I'm <laughs> feeling. Um, so if I'm feeling, you know, if I'm just feeling like, oh, whatever, it's an Oreo. Like, yes, I'll just chomp it dry. Like, whatever, fine. Uh, if I am wanting to have a little bit of fun, I will, you know, unscrew it, unscrew the Oreo and pull off the cream and then do the cookies. Yeah. And then also pro- probably like my favorite, favorite one to do. And it's just because I'm like very much a tactile person because i like to squish it i yes. like to smush it like the cream to come out around the edges and mm-hmm. then i just you know with my finger with just my tongue, throw it down your throat <laughs> yes exactly mm-hmm. um that's exactly what I like. so mokler do you like so it, it, if you're eating an oreo do you do regular stuff double stuff or have you tried the mega or the most stuff i so i love double stuffed me too. I could. I don't. I don't think I could handle mega stuff. No. I've I've I done just, the mega stuff once, and it is far too much. I really. My favorite is just the single. I. He likes regular. as a child. I would basically just throw away the cookies. I would just eat the cream. But okay. As Which I've gotten so older, my the cookies are my favorite <laughs> part. Okay. And so I. Guy. I, I like the cream. Like and I need the cream. But I think it just complements the the dark chocolate of the cookies. I think all that that sugar. But um, this is probably also why, like, I'm a double stuffed guy because if I do my my smushing motion on it, mm-hmm. like, there's still enough cream yeah. of a single Oreo in it. And but again, it's like with it's like a glazed donut. Like I wouldn't mind like a little like give me an unglazed donut and some glaze to dip it in. Ooh. But like mega stuff reminds me of like just a full like you try to eat two glazed donuts three glazed donuts you do it because there's no such thing as self-control and 
you know, everyone like shouts, treat yourself as it's happening, but then you feel awful about it. You know, that's how I feel like mega stuff. I'd be like, Oh, that's cool. That's novel. Let me take a bite. And then let me hate myself yeah, for a little uh, bit. I'm, I'm with, with you, but have you seen the most stuffed one where it's like, it comes with like, it's like 12 cookies in a box and it's got like double the mega stuffed and it's novelty, but it's so gross looking. Like I picked up a box and I could feel there's like an inch and a half in between each cookie. And I was like, absolutely not. (laughs) It's just a marketing ploy. Yeah. How long till they're just selling like make your own Oreo kits where it's just a tub of cream and a sleeve of it's Oreos. It's like those what, Dunkaroos? Is that what they were? Yeah. See, but I love Dunkaroo. Like, I'm all for a Dunkaroo for, like, the nostalgia factor. Like, Oreos, I expect a cookie. I, there is a structure. It comes pre, you know. Yeah. Oh, I, I, see, now I can never have the most stuff because I'm just going to be thinking about all of the other people. Yeah. Who, even though their fingers have not touched the cream... Their fingers have touched the cream as they're all like feeling it from the outside, like, oh, this is. Uh. Yeah. And uh, nope, I'm not putting that in my mouth. I'm not funny. putting that in my body. <laughs> my body's terrible. I care about myself. It's fine. <laughs> uh, over, over the uh, bag molestation of your Oreos is a no no. No, I'm the only one who's allowed to molest my Oreos. Mm. Try the seasonal ones. Yeah. You should try the seasonal. Uh, Do you like, have you ever tried any flavors? Yes. I love flavors. Well, okay. So here's the thing about like Oreos and Kit Kats around the world. People are fucking obsessed. Like I, you know, I guess it's like, maybe they don't have a lot of, that's probably totally what it is. There's not a ton of dairy, like Europeans, like we're crazy about dairy and shit like that. In other parts of the world, it's mostly like, nah, once you're done being a baby, no more milk. So, like, this novelty of chocolate or, you know, creamy things in between cookies, people just lose their shit. And they have all of these different flavors under the sun. So, I've had green tea. I've Green had tea mangoes. Oreos? Yes. Oh, my Oreos. God. They need to bring that yes. to America. That sounds amazing. They've had like weird fruit combination ones, not like, you know, like strawberry banana, like I would get, but like grape strawberry. And then they are pink and fluorescent and green. And it's just like, no. Do they flavor the cookies in other yes. countries? So that's my problem usually with the American flavors is it's still a chocolate cookie on like a jelly donut center. Like, I don't want that. Okay. Yeah, I can agree with that. But I do love when they do like the cinnamon bun and it comes with a graham cracker cookie around it. Oh man. See, my favorites are um mint mint flavored Oreos. Yes. I do like they are low one. budget. They are low budget anytime Girl Scout thin mints. So that's that's what I'm all about. Those are that's like my favorite Oreo in general. Yeah. And I do like I do like the Halloween Oreos. I do Good. the orange cream. Yeah. Yeah, that's fun. It is fun. That's fun. Um, so. Yeah, uh, any other Oreo Good news, Mary me. Margaret? Uh, Oreos versus, uh, what is what is the real one? The uh... Oh, um, <sighs> I, 
Hydrox? Hydrox. Hydrox, Hydrox made it first, but Oreo took it took it over. Uh, I've never had Hydrox a Hydrox cookie. They can go fuck themselves. <laughs> I do yeah. like them. I do not like them, Sam. I am because the reason, because again, with the squishing, Hydrox cookies have holes in the cookie, oh, and no. so then it just comes all, through the top. Com- yeah, it comes through like a, like a Play-Doh squeeze thing, or um, like one of those it, videos uh, where they like crush peanuts and it makes peanut sticks. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. You have seen it's like super satisfying. You've seen those videos. Mary Margaret's shaking her head like no one knows what I'm talking about. but yeah so that's why i'm not a hydrox fan i also don't like i don't like the texture of there's a lot of things going on with a hydrox cookie the the way that they're shaped they're like swirly and curly kind of shaped and so the indentations beyond just having holes are like very deep and so for some reason that's just not a good mouthfeel for me I also feel like the cookie's a little bit drier than an Oreo. Yeah. Hydrox is they're doing the most. And it's just it's just not for me. It's just not for me. Well, I've never tried one and yeah, I guess I, I guess I never will. Cause <laughs> no, that was a, no. a scathing review. Um so I guess uh what do we um do we wanna talk about what 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 have you been watching? Are we saving that for after? Do we want to do Gilmore Girls or what we've been watching first? Or do you have any games or questions? I don't have any games or questions. Let's talk about, I guess it's been a while, so let's catch each other up on what we're watching and then we'll talk about. Yeah, why don't you, uh, well, Mary Margaret, what have, what have you been watching? So my new favorite show, and new as in I think it came out a few days ago, is A.D. Bryant's new show, Shrill, on Hulu. Have, have you, you seen it? it? I haven't seen it, but I have read the interviews with her, and I love her, and I've been excited to watch it on Hulu. So I'm obsessed. Please, give it a ringing endorsement. Yes, so I feel good as I watch it, it, I have been like applauding and like vocalizing how much i love it it's just wonderful and i think they i think they dropped the first six episodes yes i only have one to begin left. with and so we watched the first five basically in one day yeah i've been really stretching it out okay all right that's good <laughs> and like what a, what a, just amazing are they like tackling topics really well is it really well acted yeah it's kind of like girls but like everything you wanted girls to be like a more likable version yeah it's not lena dunham it's ad bryant so it's already way more likable it's great but it's that same kind of following that age woman and she's a writer so that's like yeah she works at what's the new do you remember what the newspaper called a newspaper she works at a newspaper and uh she gets the first episode is she gets her first uh, article. Okay, and that's. I don't want him to spoil anything. Yeah, I'm uh, like without hand without spoiling like, anything else. Stop, that's, Jamie. That's it. I mean, that's the first episode. That's not a spoil. <laughs> no, it's not. Um, but yeah, and it's her and her roommate and her boyfriend, just like mixing all this weird stuff up, and it's very well written. Is is yeah, like and it, well produced and, as well. You yeah, can tell it's it's very a very pretty show. Well, and then I also like that it's based on, I think it's based on a collection of personal essays. Mm-hmm. 
it's adapted from that so from what i've read so it's nice to know that it's like grounded in reality reality. (laughs) hot jinx (laughs) but i guess like that's the problem with girls it's like girls is also grounded in a kind of reality Mm -hmm. but it is a very um white new yorker yeah mentality with a lot of blind spots Mm -hmm. and i think just by this the virtue of this woman being like a bigger woman mm-hmm. like you're naturally getting yeah different in because the world just treats those two like lena dunham is you know chubby by standards but she's by no means i think in like the vernacular like pop culture vernacular mm-hmm. of what we would say is like very fat mm-hmm. so and yeah and they show Lady Bryant. They really show, like, the beauty of A.D. Bryant, in, even in her underwear kind of thing. It's yes. really empowering. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Okay, I'm here. Yeah. I'm there. You're so there for lie. it. Yeah. I'm um, so excited. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really, really good. Uh, the other thing we watched this week was... um, It was the comedy show where he went to... Oh, Larry Charles's Dangerous World of Comedy. Yeah, Larry Charles's Dangerous World of Comedy on Netflix, and he went to like Syria and uh, like Iraq and Saudi Iraq Arabia and uh, uh, maybe Libya and all Liberia. These, Liberia and-, and all these and like talked to the first two episodes were called War, and so he talked to victims of war in the first episode, people who had been. Uh, their houses had been destroyed, or they were family of of soldiers, and how it affected them, and what they thought was funny. And in the second episode, he talked to like child soldiers and General Butt Naked, and it was nuts yeah. about like what they laugh about, what they think is funny, like, and and it's crazy. Sure, it's really dark. <laughs> it's yes, really it's dark, dark, but like it's like it's very inspiring to see yeah. these people that have been through so much. Like they're still. They're still trying to find comedy in things mm-hmm. and, like, still trying to, to make other people that they know have been through the same stuff laugh. And mm-hmm. it's so good. It's so well it done. It talks a lot about, like, rape jokes in Africa and how that is so accepted in comedy and encouraged. Yeah, the other two episodes are gender and race. Yeah. So. And so that's a huge topic that's so interesting to hear from everyone's point of view, including the scumbag point of view. And, um... I don't know if you know who Larry Charles is. He's the guy that did Borat and um, uh, the other movie that that where they just like pranked people. Basically, the uh, Sasha Baron Cohen movies. Mm, yeah. So he's like used to going around the world and like messing with people, but but he talks to like an ISIS terrorist, like just crazy people. Oh, wow. yeah. yeah, yeah. They have to like cover his face and he like wants distort to talk to his everyone. voice, but. It's very good. You should check it out. What have uh, What have you been watching? We've been rambling on about our shows. Well, I actually, I have a question about that, but I'm going to tell you what I've been watching, and then I'm going to come back to my question about Perfect. the shows that you two watch together. Um, so, uh, off that topic of comedy around the world and different comedians, Netflix has this thing called uh, Comedians of the World, I'm pretty sure yeah. it's called. Yeah. It's a series uh, from... And it's been going on for a while. I think there are like now almost like 15 sets of comedians from around the world, which 
was insane when I found it, but I've been watching a little bit of that. And I think that that like watching the African comics and mm-hmm. it's just also proved like the, that, that picked up on a lot of the things that you guys just said about like the darkness of that other show, mm-hmm. but completely unrelated Canadian comics can Canada's just the best mm-hmm. I have come to the conclusion like all of our best actors are Canadian all of the best like things definitely I come best later to comedians find yeah like I just come to find out later that we're like born and raised in Canada like there are people who are good at stuff in the United States but there's like this undercurrent of self-hate to all of their comedy and then I'm like oh yeah no that's how you can totally tell an American from a Canadian is because like Canadians live in a place where like their government cares about them yeah you know and we don't and so anyway just the whole society and I the I just can't recommend it enough to go watch the Mm -hmm. Canadian comics on Netflix because they deserve everything and i am sure their government will do its best to make sure that they get it um so yeah i need i need to Uh, watch more of that i think we watched maybe like is nicole Byer on that one or is that yeah yeah we watched as a great joke pussy yes yeah i love nicole Byer. so (laughs) we watched that one but i don't think we've watched any more um and then uh what else have i been watching uh, I just was telling you guys earlier, I've started the new season of Queer Eye. It's just as tier and binge-worthy as all of the other seasons. Yeah. Excuse me. Actually, some of them are... There's one this season that really hit home for me, and I really loved it, and all the tiers. Um, so I was... I love the way that they are expanding their heroes, as they call them, the base that they pull from for these stories they really do find some very deserving people and then i think that they find stories that are resonant uh and don't get a ton of um you know it's about the one episode that really resonated with me was about a guy and uh, he's very self-deprecating he's like from the first moment they meet him he's just like sentence after sentence after sentence of being down on himself but like saying it in a happy way trying to like beat people to the punch yeah um and the things that he talks about like his body image issues are things that i struggle with and things that you know like the way that he vocalizes it are completely the way that i would vocalize it and i've never seen anyone on tv do that so that was really i don't necessarily agree with all of the made him do but it was good to see them like have awareness of those narratives and like working to pull them out and Mm -hmm. you know get people to discuss them so um i'm trying to think if i've watched that sounds like a great episode yeah so and that was really and then the other thing was uh i just picked up it's called broad church it is i believe it's on amazon prime it's a spot it's a cop drama UK cop drama with Olivia Coleman and he plays one of the doctors David Tennant David Tennant and I just did not know that they were in that and it's fucked up but it's great that sounds that sounds good oh man that reminded we just started an English show, show too and I know we need to but it's called Turn Up Charlie and it's on Netflix and it's Idris Elba as a washed oh, yeah. up DJ and we only watched the first episode but I absolutely loved it 
Yeah, I think that really resonated with Jamie. Yeah, I he love wants to be a wash up DJ. I love Idris Elba. That's what it, how it resonated with me is <laughs> the sexiest man in the world applies to us straight Everyone. dudes too. So yeah. I love Idris Elba, and he's speaking yeah. in his natural voice, which is the best. It's really sexy. It makes him even sexy. It's better than his Brooklyn accent. It's better than his Detroit accent. It's so good. Uh, all right. I'll have to check it out. So that actually brings me to my question I wanted to ask the two of you. A lot of your, a lot of this conversation that we've had about what we are watching on TV is like you two are watching TV together. What has it been like going – like do you – have like single watching tv time are there shows that you know you prefer to watch without the other person in the room what was it like merging your tv habits into one family household that's just so interesting to me and i've what what so, talk about i am definitely uh, i'm watching a lot less single tv by myself i've too. definitely got yeah. Mary Margaret still has her time. Like, uh, on the weekends, I work for, you know, either Mm -hmm. six or four hours. And so she has that time. And then during the week, uh, when I'm working, she'll be home at four and I get home at eight. Mm -hmm. But then I'll be working in the morning and he has TV time then Um, by himself. So so we do get a little bit, um, but mostly it's the two of us. I really like to have a, well, a show. We're watching... Several. (sighs) like six right now together um main namely desperate housewives uh it's so good mm-hmm. but it's it so when we didn't live together we've lived together so we've been married what six months no, now like, nine months something yeah, like, like that whatever not important um that's not what's significant <laughs> here yeah but uh but we lived together officially for what two years before that and unofficially, basically, we just s- lived at each other's houses yeah, since freshman living, year. Yeah. She she moved in with me and Wes the summer after freshman year. So we've always had TV shows um, together. And I feel like it, I don't know, I keep thinking it kind of started with The Office. Yeah, The like, Office, Jamie had Parks never, and Rec, actually, was Jamie the first had never show. experienced either of those shows, and those were so, like, huge for me both of them and so we really sat down and just grinded through both of them i remember us watching tv in your dorm room too we watched parenthood that year with your roommate it's just always been like an activity we've done together yeah when when people ask uh what do you guys do for fun uh we say we chill at home and we watch a lot of tv and they're like don't you like going to bars and we're like no tv's like free basically i say free because other people are paying for our subscriptions but well i pay for the wi-fi but yeah (laughs) but yeah it's it's great it's just always been our thing it's great watching together because you always have someone if something gets brought up i don't know if you do this when you're watching tv but like if something gets brought up you're like wow i'm really interested in that topic and then they move on immediately on the show And me and Mary Margaret will pause the show and look up whatever we want to talk about and then debate it or like, yeah, we debate like what it means in the show. And it makes it, I don't know if it's more fun or more annoying, but I love it. So I have one more thing I thought of. Um, Another fun game when you're watching the show, we always like to predict what's going to happen next. And I'd say probably 85% of the time, either one of us, we're always right. (laughs) It's just really fun That's to cool. do it that like that too. So we'll just like call what's going to happen and it's so much more satisfying when it actually does happen because that person witnessed it. Yeah. Okay. And 
than with so like have there been <clears throat> TV shows where like it's ever been like you've had disagreements about them? I'm assuming yes. Like what do any of those stand out to you guys as like disagreements you've had over TV shows? Or is there like a TV show that you were like really hesitant to show the other person because it was like somehow deeply personal to you? Well, uh our main topic is going to be one of those shows uh, that we disagree okay. on and that Mary Margaret, it took her a long time to be like, you should watch this. Mm-hmm. Um, Jamie has one too. I'd say yours I, is yeah. like The Sopranos. Yeah, the, so Mary Margaret's thing, I I love to suggest shows to anyone. I always, I'll always, when I start a conversation with someone new, a lot of times it'll be like, hey, how are you? What do you watch on TV? And then I'll tell them what I watch and suggest. And Mary Margaret seems to, when I suggest a show, Sopranos, she did watch Buffy with us, with me, but it took her like two years to watch a six-season show. It wasn't two years. But she'll she'll act like she likes whatever show I suggest and then just never want to watch it. Like Sopranos, I'd be like, do you want to watch that? And she'd be like, nope. And we would watch something else. And we got to the last season of Sopranos, finally. And she hasn't watched a single episode since. Hmm. Um, so that's that's our biggest that's thing. That's what we argue is, about. Is Mary Margaret, if I suggest a show, pretty much hates it. Um, if we find a show okay. separately together, like if I'm watching it and she's watching it, we find out, then that's great. And the other thing is Mary Margaret will watch a, an entire show that we started together without me because she'll be like, oh, I didn't think you liked it. That doesn't happen that often, though. I'd say the other one is a bigger problem, but I just don't really care. I watch whatever television I'm in the mood for, and I'm unapologetic about it. Go you. Mm -hmm. Good for you. (laughs) It's just television. It's entertainment. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's true. Um, Interesting. Okay. Well, what do you have against The Sopranos, Mary Margaret? (laughs) (laughs) Jamie's giving me a very knowing look. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's the characters. Usually that's what I get stuck on. Mm. Yeah, I feel like she does. She's like, she doesn't understand... Even though I feel like Sopranos does a, a good job of it, she like I still hate if she them like all. if she like can't understand uh, why they're acting the way they do. Yeah, it's hard for her to get invested in it. And the Sopranos do have because they're a mob family, so doing all right. this stuff doesn't really make sense anyway yeah, in a normal. Yeah. You got something okay. to say? Go ahead. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, it's fine. It's just I don't know. I don't know. It's just tough, tough watching like a serious TV show that she didn't want to watch. Like dark comedy is like not really her forte. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, is there anything that Mary Margaret likes to watch that you don't like to watch, Jamie? Are we about to talk about one of those shows? No, Jamie no, likes the show we're talking about. I love this show. Uh, no, not really. I'm kind of a. I mean, she. No, I like some no. reality TV. Yeah, there's some reality like. TV that I won't watch. Um, I watch a lot of documentaries, and sometimes those bore Jamie. Yeah. Sometimes the thing she really watches that I'm not into is movies. I'm not. I'm not super into to sitting and wa- wasting an hour and a half or two hours and a half on on one story. Yeah. Okay. But, well, okay, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. We can explore that later date. That's that's weird considering. Mm-hmm. 
what TV shows whole seasons? That's a lot of that's, time. That's different. There are a lot of stories in a TV show. Yeah. Usually in a movie, it's got one ending. And the TV shows, yeah. you have an ending each episode, unless it's a cliffhanger. Okay. So. Okay. Interesting. Well, I guess, uh, do we want to introduce what we're talking about today? Mm-hmm. Are you, or do you have more sure. questions about us watching TV together? No, that was instructive. Yeah, I've, it's, I've it's a lot. No, I'm, I'm a solo TV watcher. I have mm-hmm. no one that I watch tv with it sounds very sad but no you know because then you can do it at your own pace definitely well and i'm yeah there's never been i don't i guess and it's also i would probably be in the same camp because like that's like i haven't finished battlestar galactica Mm -hmm. (laughs) and we started that (laughs) however many years ago a long time and it was yeah it was because i started with yeah like it gets so like that can be frustrating to me watching tv with someone else is if we are um you know because then it is on the i have to keep pace with the other person yeah you know whether or not i want to yeah or not uh and so i'm just not at that stage in my life to make that kind of compromise mm-hmm. i'm still a, asshole, it's, a, it's a deep commitment it is we uh Game of Thrones, we watched. Separate. She watched all of it, and then I watched all of it completely separately. And then so. we started watching together as they came out. But, but I had up to, to like, season convince five. you to watch it. Is why we watched it separately. So. But yeah, um, so why don't you tell us what you got queued up, Mary Margaret? Oh, I get to lead. <laughs> well, we're talking about one of my all-time favorite shows, and that is Gilmore Girls. I'm hoping it's a favorite of some of y'all too. <sighs> we don't have a soundboard but jamie's trying to i do need to download some sounds to like splice in (laughs) that would be fun all right well tell us um why gilmore girls is your favorite and you know what what it means to you okay so i started watching gilmore girls when i was probably about 12 or 13 like after school on this channel that does not exist anymore called ABC Family. And they would play, like, an episode every afternoon, and they were, like, an hour long. And I watched probably four of the seasons that way. And then eventually, since it was back in, I don't know, like 2006, I owned the DVD set of all of Gilmore Girls, and I watched it that way. And that was kind of a fun, like, exciting way to watch television back in the 2000s. The original binge. Yeah, exactly. It's like you wake up on Christmas morning and you have a whole television show to focus your next six months on because there's so many DVDs and so little time back in that day. So that was pretty awesome. And then after I watched it through again with a friend, I believe, My mom was like, let's watch it together since you're so into this. And it's about the whole mother-daughter kind of dynamic. And I was like, okay. And so we watched it through. And then I've watched it through with Jamie. But that's only been recently. So that was like years ago when I watched it with my mom when I was still in high school. So it has like a lot of high school memories and like feelings attached to it for sure. So I guess so. Like, you started in middle school, and then yeah. when would you 
watched with your friend the second like middle school going into high school yeah you watch kind of like ninth grade time and then okay. with my mom then... like in 10th and 11th grade okay yeah and then went with jamie um, last summer yeah last year so it was like a really i finished it right after we moved into the memphis house i finished it up and watched and then watched the uh a year, year in a life. life yeah so it had been like seven years since i had really like watched it through and had been like definitely oh, wow. putting it off watching it through because i was so like emotionally drawn to this show and like it had like grown with me as i grew through these like really scary things in my life and like my mom got cancer and like all these different emotional things that like she and i dealt with together that i don't know the show was kind of like our happy place in a way mm. and sometimes okay so that was kind of so, why i think i waited so long to watch it with jamie okay so in so i guess like was your mother diagnosed with cancer while you were watching it with her or was it post like how did gilmore girls figure into your relationship i was in ninth grade when my mom was diagnosed with cancer like in fall of ninth grade so like i had seen the show before but i was probably in the stage of watching it with my friend at that point so she did or had she been was she she had not by the time you were watching it with her yeah when we were watching it together she was like cancer patient i know she did like i know at one point she was like cancer and then remission and then it came back yeah well but you know i don't know remission remission was never really a thing for me because it just always kind of felt like cancer was more the thing perfect Mm. but yeah we watched a lot of gilmore girls together like what drew you to the show initially like just the fact that it was on after school like what was it about that like, i think it was because the... there, there there are a lot of competing things when you get home from middle school and that's yeah. that's actually how i watched most of what i've seen of gilmore girls is the same way abc really? family oh sweet yeah oh yeah yeah so it was like but yeah and... the characters for me like I think Rory was the big one that drew me in because I was a 12-year-old girl and she was 16 at the beginning and that was glamorous. And um, (laughs) the whole, like, Lorelai, like, single parent thing really, like, resonated with me and, like, how I felt. And just everything in that show, like, the small town, like, I live in a small town, like, everyone's connected. Just all the things, if I had, like, the quintessential Gilmore Girls life, it would be just like that it was just the perfect escape kind of thing in high school okay and then what made you want to revisit it with your friend oh i just could never stop talking about it and she had to watch it too we had to live it together it's actually a friend that you know it's sarah sloan oh okay yeah and we were best friends growing up and we kind of did everything together so naturally we watched it together immediately Okay, so trying to think what. Um, so in my reading about it, I guess my thing with it is that, um, it in like reading about it now, it was talking about how it was very much billed as something that was frilly and girly and feminine, like unapologetically femme. Mm-hmm. Um, really not interested in competing with. 
um, you know, competing for like that boy demographic. Yeah. And so, um, but it was also using that as a vehicle to talk about some very serious things, mother daughter relationships, um, money, money, um, yeah. uh, cross like mother, daughter, grandmother. Relationships. Yeah. That intergenerational. Uh, yeah. And so, um, I guess were you like picking up on, it sounds like you were drawn to the characters first. Yeah. Were you picking up on that. Absolutely. Yeah. I loved that part of it. I loved the crazy family that you couldn't predict and the mm -hmm. feminism and all that kind of stuff like has always resonated with me. And I've always been, I felt like a feminist growing up. I would tell like, even from as like a small child, I would tell my mother to never call me a princess because I hated that you had to be a princess who got saved by a man. I thought that was stupid bullshit. And like all this kind of stuff just lined up perfectly. And so Gilmore Girls uh, was like my kind of comedy. Like Yeah, and I don't I don't know if you ever uh were lucky enough to meet Kathleen or not. Uh my mom. But she uh that was a, a very a strong woman who knew what she wanted and didn't didn't care who yeah. uh she had to be like move out of the way. Uh -huh. And so it made sense that, that she uh grew you know, made I'm sure Kathleen probably saw a lot of herself in Lorelai being a, a, yeah. a strong, independent woman, basically. Absolutely. So. My mom kind of being, like, the single mom, but not really even, like, celebrating herself for that. Kind of being, like, I don't know, acting like she was still in a normal household, but he just wasn't really around. So she didn't really own up to that single mom kind of thing. But inside, I think she was Lorelai Gilmore as much as she could be. Yeah. No. Did you like? Was there any kind of cross generational tension in your family? Like, was there? Did you have a commanding grandmother in the wings? Um, I mean, not really. Uh, My grandparents have always lived so far away that distance made that kind of impossible. And my mom was more like the matriarch in my life, and that was that. Okay. Yeah. So, um,. So how much of this have you watched, Mowgli? Gilmore Girls. I, I can honestly, not a lot. Not mm -hmm. much. Uh, not much. Uh, I think that it was, I don't, you know, I say that, but again, it was my after, it was part of my afternoon TV osmosis. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, but if it's not the show you're like going for, you you know, you miss a lot. Yeah. Of it. You're not worried about getting yeah. up and getting a snack in the middle of the show. Yeah. Yeah. Like we used to have to do uh, that. And so, and I think one of the, I guess just in like, but from like what I remember watching about it, there are things that, I think there are things about the show that just stick out no matter what. The yeah. characters, as we've mentioned, but also the dialogue. Yes. Um, and just how snappy it was and how smart they were with the pop culture mm -hmm. references sprinkled throughout and how it was a mile a minute and how that kind of, you know, has since informed um, I mean, uh, certainly Maisel. Maisel. Well, and that's because that's me, Sherman Palladino again. Yeah. But I think yeah. it's I think it like that early two thousands. Like it seeped into a lot of other um, rom coms and like those kinds of TV shows, and wanting to make sure that you know they were smart. It wasn't just about the boyfriends and, mm -hmm. the, and the clothes and uh, yeah yeah all of that 
so I think I, I appreciated it oh, yeah. from that point of view. But like to tell you, you know, I can only tell you major plot points because I've read, I've since read Wikipedia, tried to figure out, oh, I think like the thing that I never picked up on was the intergenerational conflict between mm-hmm. Lorelai and her parents. I just oh, knew yeah. that there was, oh, they have a lot of money. She doesn't want her parents' money. And then like Rory ex- ex- existing in this middle space. Um, and so I guess I never saw, so can you fill me in about the grandmother? I just, I just, I always saw, like, I only ever saw them at the Friday night dinners. Yeah. You know, yeah. I never saw them as like a presence that was through the show and like being, or was that kind of how the show was set up? Like the confrontations with her were at dinner. So, so definitely, um, I mean, Mary Margaret may have more at first when i was watching it it's definitely like the first would you say the the first few probably the first season it really is you only see you see the grandparents but really the big confrontations happen at at dinner and then the show always starts at friday night dinner the show always opens with them going over to richard and emily emily's house and um having dinner and usually an argument or a disagreement about something but then in later seasons, you get more, they get closer, and you do, they fill out more. Richard is, I think, Mary Margaret's favorite character. He's definitely, he's one of the best characters in the show, the grandfather. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the term Gilmore Girls definitely, by the end, it's like, it's all, it's all of them are, mm-hmm. are a family together. And there are times where they hate each other and times where they're inseparable. Mm-hmm. But well, I think they're all strong personalities and that's what's cool about the characters. But you do learn later through like flashbacks and things where the tension began. And it was like mm-hmm. when Lorelai was pregnant as a teenager, there was a lot of different like contention as to what she should do and how she should raise the baby and if they should get married, her and Christopher, Rory's dad. And at, in the end of that, Lorelai just gets up and leaves and goes to Stars Hollow and starts over a whole new life and cuts out her parents completely. And everything. Completely cuts them out and they don't see Rory again until we pick up with the first season. So the last time they've seen her was when she was a toddler. And so that kind of shows you a little bit of the tension and the family dynamic. Why? Mm. Mm. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So like one of the things that we mentioned was the money aspect of this and kind of like Lorelai stepping away from the mansion, the Gilmore mansion, and then, you know, but her daughter getting accepted into Mm -hmm. Chilton, the private academy, and like getting sucked back into the world. And like, was that, you know, was that interesting to you? Is that interesting to you, uh, that aspect of the show? Yeah, I mean, that privilege was interesting to kind of see how the other half lives and to kind of see Rory like choose that in a way. But her still have her own roots with her mom was interesting. Also, I really liked that um, Rory was like the nerd girl who went really far academically. That really resonated with me. And even though I was never the private school kid, I was always the overachiever type. So that really made me connect. Did you ever go through? Did you ever go through like a journalism phase? Was that ever like on your radar? No. It wasn't. No, so surprisingly. You, so it's just like you just really like with the mindset and the drivenness of Rory, not so much like are there any kind of specific like is there anything that she did that you 
picked up or you saw and were like, no. oh, I'm going to try that. got to try that personality for a little bit and then decided it wasn't for you? Not really, but I don't know. I just don't really think like that, I guess, is the reason mm. why. Mm. Um. So a big part of this show that I love is The Town of Stars Hollow. Oh, and yeah. if you haven't watched a ton of it, 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 it won't really make sense because it's just like where they live. But as Mary Margaret said, it's where Lorelai moved when she had a like a two-year-old kid all by herself and started working mm-hmm. at an inn. And um, by the time we're watching it, Lorelai runs the inn and everyone in town has helped since Lorelai didn't have her family or a, or a man in her life helping to take care of this child. And she had no experience and never worked a day in her life this town kind of rallied around her and helped raise Rory to, uh, to you know, to, to live in the town and, and be safe in the town. And the entire town constantly is having festivals. They're having town hall meetings. They're having, and you meet, you know, uh, the Luke is a big character in the show. Uh, Lorelai's will they, won't they man thing that she never actually dates so um (laughs) um and you just learn so much yeah yeah that's the end that's what you find out in uh in uh, a year in the life is that they're married Mm -hmm. um but you don't actually at the end of the actual show uh it really ends up you're like oh the whole show people are like people where i was at when i was watching it like oh who do you oh who's she gonna end up with neither of them end up with anyone yeah and that's how at the end of the show is them the women are like we don't like we can take care of ourselves absolutely this you know i need to go do this because it's this time in my life it doesn't matter if i i love Mm -hmm. a man if i haven't done what i need to do that reminds me of something interesting these characters lorelei and rory they're really like selfish a lot of people say and like whiny about the things that they do have and that's kind of like that other argument like maybe they're empowered and maybe they're feminist but are they taking it too far that's what some people say i was gonna ask i I read some stuff about people saying like are they the worst yeah because are they whiny rory yeah like rory i know one plot revolves around her dating dean yeah, some or, someone with a lot of money. Oh, uh, what was his Logan. name? Logan. Logan, when she's in Logan. college, yeah, yeah, and like Logan gets her into situations where like it's specifically to flaunt his privilege, like yes. breaking into a supermarket to throw money around and talking about like how great it is to have a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, and so and like Rory goes along with that. I, so the do you like what's your opinion do you think that they are the worst do you it's think hard that they... to like that relationship i think that relationship is awful and i don't like them together but mm. i mean i think he just like brings out the bad in her the risky yeah okay. that's definitely his like so rory has three boyfriends one that's a sweetheart one that's a bad boy and one that's the rich kid mm-hmm. um and so, depending on you know, I feel like how bad can the bad boy be compared it's, to uh, the rich what's, kid? It's uh, it's it what's his name? People. It's uh, his name is Jess in the show. No, what's the actor's name? It's uh, it's uh, Milo. Oh, what's his oh. name? Yeah, Vincent. So like, he's a bad boy and he is hot. 
He's like a lovable bad boy, though. Yeah, he's like a. Small he's also town. he's also super smart. That's the thing is like he steals cars and like has sex in them, but uh, he also is he's he's always reading like a a classical novel. Every time you see him, he's always he ends up owning a bookstore and a printing press, and it's amazing. Um, okay, but yeah, so the the. the I think I think Lorelai is the fucking worst. I think Lorelai is spoiled, and when she doesn't get what she wants, she she whines about it. And I know she had a tough life when she had her kid, but she's thirty five now, and she's been and privileged her whole is, life. Yeah, and and got lucky enough to someone took her in, another yeah. rich lady took her in, and let her live at the inn that she worked at and then ended up giving her the inn well she buys it but yeah but but gave her she was running it by herself before so like Lorelai just always leans on well when I was a kid my parents were mean to me and it just gets annoying but I think Rory has her times when she's in college everyone I mean everyone's a piece of shit in college at some point um not you Mokla you were great uh no awful <laughs> oh please uh that's if we want to record my therapy sessions we can go through but, all of the ways but anyway but yeah yes, so so <laughs> yeah i think she i think she has her bad times but it's fun it's fun to be a rich kid in college it's fun i enjoyed being in the frat even though i wasn't a rich kid i got to hang out with some rich kids you know it is interesting being i guess like being wealth adjacent especially at the school that we went to and seeing a lot of the things you know again stories that you shouldn't tell but like hearing stories about people who did cocaine like i would never you know but the hijinks that get people into those situations leading up to them were funny was definitely but like you know if it had happened to anyone else or if it happened at any other time it would not have gone as well as it did. No, exactly. Uh, exactly. And that's, so. and it's, it, it's, it's, I don't know. But yeah, I agree with you. It's, it's definitely being wealth adjacent. It, it's fun watching it happen and sometimes, sometimes participating in the debauchery. But then, you know, a lot of times if you do, you get out and you're like, man, we got lucky that time. Yeah. Well, and I think it's also like, especially now of us have money like i don't think any of this like we're i guess i guess technically still wealth adjacent like i still i have friends who are out doing things with a lot of money and so like kind of looking at them from afar it's just put a whole different perspective like that's why i would find rory and like and the things that i've read about her since find her compelling is because she is living that kind of life. Like, I'm sure Lorelai is making good money out of the inn, but, excuse me, probably not so good that she can live, you know, this jet-setting life that she ends up living in the Netflix series that they bring back. So it's interesting to see, like, to see the millennial experience, like, it's so resonant in her and mm-hmm. being able to challenge those those things yeah so are there like mary margaret for you what are some of the story really like you felt or that you really connected to with sarah or your mom 
or Jamie even, um, you know, with all of these different viewings that you've, or is there like a plot point that meant something to you when you watched it on your own that changed with Sarah, that changed with your mother, that's changed with Jamie? I think you have such an interesting experience since you've watched the show at so many different points in your life. Yeah. I don't know. I think the show kind of grew with me in a way that I didn't really notice at times. Mm. And I think maybe as I watched it through more times, I began to like appreciate the male characters more for their depth because they do have depth, even though they're not given as much time. And like Jamie said earlier, mm. like Richard became my favorite character, which would not have been true the first few times I watched it. Like that probably was only true mm. the time I watched with Jamie. Before that, it probably would have always been Rory. Like, she's the star. Of course, she's my favorite. But, like, Richard brought in this whole new perspective of, like, this generation gone by that is so, like, rigid in a way, but still, like, compassionate and, like, loving and wants the best for his family and wants the best for everyone. But he still struggles with those, like, ideals and, like, the fact that he works in insurance. Like, he's very dry and when he has his moments of warmth it really like he became such a cooler character to me as i watched it again and again mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. cool. um, emily can be a character like that too like she can be really annoying yeah i think the grandparents were definitely the most dynamic characters because they went from like she said like rigid but loving at first really like rigid but like indifferent like we're like we'll give you money but you owe us back to you know different times like they would either quit quit a job or turn down a job or or stop going to the club and they would be so happy or they would mm -hmm. drink and be so happy and so funny mm -hmm. um but then something would snap them back and they would be like oh yeah i'm you know 60 years old i can't be acting like this yeah it's kind of like they had to keep up appearances which a lot of people struggle with especially from that really that, wealthy yeah. background like they were always going to the club that and... was i don't know well you haven't said it that was a lot of the contention you keep talking about the generational tension it was it was emily and richard not wanting not wanting to be seen with uh, a daughter who got pregnant in high school but didn't marry the father not wanting to have a granddaughter that didn't go to Chilton, not having yeah. a granddaughter that didn't go to Yale. Um, they, they, a lot of that was pride for them that they worked so hard just to make their family look good. And that's not a, it's not a bad thing. It's just can be stressful on the family or the children that don't really understand the saving face or don't mm -hmm. care about the saving face, and which is kind of like unspoken that whole rule in the family and i feel like that frustrated lorelei and rory even more because they didn't feel that way at all and they couldn't understand the other perspective as easily so this was just this is a random tangent but do you think that emily and richard would have gotten caught up in the most recent um college scandal if to get uh, Rory into Yale. Oh, for sure. Richard, I believe, donated a building. Like, yeah, she, was, she was going to get in anyway, oh, but I believe yeah. there was a Rory Gilmore Hall. Yeah, there was. <laughs> mm. 
So 100% they paid, not that Rory didn't deserve it, but everyone thought she was going to Harvard, and then suddenly she's in Yale. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. So 100% they would have been caught up in it. Man. Uh, Also, on, on that topic, don't rich people just pay for the kids to go to college? Isn't that like a thing? Like, I thought people could just do that. Not that Felicity yeah. Huffman should have, but I thought people could just, like, if you had enough money and it wasn't, uh, I, I guess some of them went to Ivy Leagues, but if it's not an Ivy League, you'd just be like, here's extra money. Let my kid in. Hey, Mokler. Hello. So we were talking about seize the means. Richard's the worst for buying a building for someone who was already going to get into Yale. Um, I guess one of the things that I, just to jump right back into the conversation, so it deals with issues of wealth and privilege. I don't know if it necessarily looks at them, like it looks at the small scale impact of what it means to someone from money to reject money. I don't know if it necessarily looks like the big overall structures of like money in people's lives correct me if i'm wrong um and then does it it didn't seem like a very diverse show either no 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 there's uh one i guess michelle is michelle is black but he's from france yeah he's black french and also gay but that's about as diverse as the show Mm -hmm. gets it's it's all in one character but rory's best friend is asian and there is that asian family dynamic from her family Mm -hmm. but that's the only diversity um yeah that's about it mostly it's yeah it's it's white people and it does so there are a couple a couple things that it does jess the milo character um he's very poor comes he he moves into town because his mom doesn't have the money to take care of him and luke just takes care of him luke is his uncle um and so, so there's definitely some moments with that where Rory will be like, "My, my, my, I don't have something," and and Jess will be like, "No, like, but you can get it. Like, there's literally no way for me to get mm-hmm. my car fixed for me to drive. There's there's not money that exists yeah. for someone to give me." And that would kind of put Rory in her place, but then it would just be forgotten and Roy would just go back to acting the same way she did before and but so you're right it never really tackled actual poverty or anything well at one point it kind of does because Jess lives in his car for a bit like he tries to go unnoticed in the middle of town sleeping in his car and of course everyone notices and it becomes a big deal so I guess that's one of the things is that there's a lot of repetition is it necessarily say is it like the show is forgetting for narrative convenience so it can do these lessons again or is it like as a bug of the series if you will or is it a feature of showing that like people don't it's very hard for people to change once they're set in a certain way of thinking they're very uh it's difficult to sway them in a new direction which do you do you feel like this is a bug or a feature Definitely the feature one. Yeah, I so when I first watched it, I definitely would have said it's a bug. It's just something that uh, Amy Amy Palladino just just missed um, trying to do something like that. But then I watched we we mentioned it. I watched Marvelous Miss Maisel, 
and the themes are similar. I feel like maybe Amy Sherman Palladino had a controlling parents that didn't want her to write. Uh, so that's okay. she. All her characters are women who are like, fuck my family. I'm going to do what I want. It doesn't matter if it kind of costs me. But they all still definitely have the backing of their uh, uh, wealthy family. Um, so I, I I feel like maybe she did it on purpose. It's the feature of people don't change. It's hard to get people to change. Um, but it definitely is also narratively useful just so they can teach the same lessons over and over again of humility and keeping your mouth shut usually. Well, well I was going to say, is it even, is it a lesson show? I mean, it seems mm-hmm. like it falls really. in, a, in an era of TV where there were a lot of like, let's learn this lesson together. But do you think it was ever trying to do that and i just heard mary margaret say no not really i don't i don't think so it was definitely more just like story based like it just whatever to keep a little bit of drama in the gilmore family and with relation to different people in town but no i well i think when there are bad choices and bad like moral decisions made like a lot of times the consequences aren't the same as in those shows that they're trying to teach you that you have to be humble or things like that like a lot of times Lorelai and Rory don't get punished for what the mistake they made so like it's kind of more mm. realistic can you think of a, an example like um when Rory loses her virginity it's with Dean her ex-boyfriend but at the time Dean is currently married and Rory pursues <gasps> him and loses her virginity to him and is not ashamed of it and like Lorelai and her have a whole falling out about it because Lorelai is very hurt by the fact that she would have sex with a married man and not feel bad about it. But then it accumulates in Dean trying to leave his pregnant wife. His wife, yeah. And, you know, ruining... Pregnant wife? Yeah. Yeah. At, like, 17. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, and it, it, but it accumulates in that and then... Lorelai being confronted with the wife's family or Rory being confronted by the wife's family and then basically saying like oh I'm sorry I didn't realize it also affected you guys yeah like Rory but then and then it's like that. but then they're like okay blah 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 and then it's just gone they kind of move on like they don't get punished for that like there's nothing like. yeah it's not like they get a divorce but that's it Well, I mean, it's also like what kind of in the real world, what kind of punishment is there for that? Right, right. Does you know? I think it's it's a it's a very much you think about um, love actually, like when um, why am I forgetting her name? All I can think of is Nanny McPhee. Um, <laughs> that's not her name though. I know who you're talking uh, about Alan Rickman. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. You know the storyline I'm talking about. Like mm-hmm. when she finds out that he's cheated on her. The damage is to that relationship, mm-hmm. and to that world. There's, you know, the you know the slut still comes out, and she's wearing the necklace that he bought her. Yeah. You know, there's no consequence for her. Right. I think there is maybe the end, whatever the end of love actually was, but the oh, I can't believe I can't remember Emma Thompson. There we yes, go. Yes, Emma Thompson. Oh, I can't. Believe I forgot her name, Emma Thompson, because that scene, all this, yeah, the two scenes. Like, after she figures out 
that the nope it's all devastating when she finds the necklace in his pocket and thinks it's mm-hmm. for her what like that is just all crushing it's a horrible feeling and that's yeah that's real life but you know it, from the you know i guess in the rory in that storyline we get to see it from the other side there's really yeah. nothing that you know what could the only thing that emma thompson could do is confront her you know mm-hmm. and you know not I don't think a lot of people are willing to do that. Yeah, and Dean's so. wife does confront Rory and Lorelai, and that becomes a big part of the story too. But that's kind of natural for mm-hmm. the show. Like you assume everyone's going to confront their problems because that's the style of the show. Mm. Do they always confront their problems, or no? They yeah. don't always confront their problems. I think they do. Okay. Jamie doesn't. Jamie, tell us what you think. Jamie. I mean, they definitely don't. Like a lot of. Uh, Lorelai's selfishness problems are never like she finds a man, gets engaged, is about to get married to him. Oh no, I don't actually love him anymore. I love this new guy. Gets engaged, almost married. Oh, actually, I should probably be with my child's husband. Yeah. And that's great. And so for a season, she's dating uh, this horrible human being uh, just because uh he's nice to her daughter and is also his daughter her daughter is but like it's and then nothing ever happened like all the guys she keeps rotating keep they don't care in six months when she's done with whoever she's with again they're like oh will you could you date me again and they don't hate her ever and like i feel like eventually especially luke would just be done with her would just be absolutely done she plays Mm -hmm. with his heart so much and he only helps her and is only nice to her even when she stomps all over him and then he marries her he's married to her and in the post thing in a year in the life she's still pretty shitty to luke like so that's my problem is is it's like the big problem lorelei is my biggest problem lorelei is very annoying in this show mm-hmm. um i love it and i love the drama she causes but she is so annoying so talking about the just different like the we've talked a little bit about the year in the life but there was also like a small change in the run of the show itself in that its last season wasn't show run by amy sherman palladino and it was on a new network do you notice any big like as the show came to an end, do you notice any like big continuity gaps or departures from the beginning of the series other than like the natural evolution and then going into a year in the life, the bigger changes that happen, you know, not like just in the, cause the show ends in 2008, right? Yeah. I think it's so, 2008. the production value is yeah. different in the new show, of course. Okay. Um, and then the and Rory decides to work for Barack Obama. Yeah. And so like all of this stuff like happens and then we come back and they're living like very different lives anyway. Mm-hmm. So just off of that in the, I honestly from... did not even know yeah. that she did not, was not involved in that last season. That was not significant to me. Right. Surprisingly, I didn't know that at all. I really enjoy the very last shot of the show. And I think it kind of ties in because it's, also the first shot of the show it's the same it's like they pan in at the beginning to where they're sitting in the coffee shop and at the very end they pan out from the same spot so i think it does have some continuity and like 
that, and oh, I appreciate that detail. I definitely, I definitely think continuity. They really didn't break continuity too much. If something was said in an earlier episode, and I, there were a lot of times where I'd be like, "Didn't they say in an earlier episode?" And then like five seconds later, somebody would bring it up, like, "Oh no, this is what you said here, and this is why we're doing it this way." And so I feel like that was. I don't know, and like I said, I, I didn't realize the last season. The last season really, showrun wise, it, it feels feels the same. Pretty much the same, yeah. They whoever took over for her, I don't know who it was, did a very good job um, of well, keeping the same feeling and not not really you know changing too much. Yeah, it's probably an instance of a really practiced show and practiced producers. They've been doing it for six seasons. Mm. Just runs like a machine. But then. What do you think about going into the 10-year, Mary Margaret? It's a different perspective, but just, like, the fact that it rotates around the setting and the, like, fall, summer thing, like, that is going to be different always. Because you, like, I feel like you start at the town in every season instead of starting with the story as it was. Like, it's just a different perspective. So what would you say, like, the perspective in the TV show versus the miniseries the like what was it in it was the, just like very in sequential show. in the tv show like it was the kind of show where you couldn't miss an episode and know what was happening but in the day in the life one you could pick up a different season and it would kind of like season being each episode each was a episode season was of a the different season season of the year mm-hmm. mm. Um, so but but like it, it never felt like this series was ever being told from like oh this is uh like uh, this is a show even though it has all of these characters it is rory's perspective or lorelei's perspective um, it was pretty evenly balanced answer. between the two or so i don't know i i feel like i'm talking a lot for this to be my wife's episode i just loved i did love this show i felt like the show mary margaret was shaking her head she felt like they were similar um i felt like the the show the original show was basically Rory's perspective. It was Rory and Lorelai's perspective. Right. And then I felt like the miniseries was almost like if you took and made a show out of the Gilmore Girls. Like if you did like a documentary as if the people in Gilmore Girls were real because it didn't really feel like the same show. It felt like it was literally just a snapshot of what these people are doing now. There weren't... They didn't really bring in new story or new characters or anything it was just like this is what would be happening 10 years later mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and it didn't you know it, it it didn't like i said didn't bring a new story it was just like this is how it is now they've gone through all their struggles they're still going through struggles boom here's one day in spring boom here's one day in mm-hmm. fall it's kind of like they made it just to satisfy the fans like it's so big picture mm-hmm. But, I mean, mm-hmm. it's fine. Like, I like it. It still made me feel all the things I wanted to feel. But it's obviously not as good it's as, not as the per- original. It's not as personal, for sure. Mm. So, um, I guess, uh, Mary Margaret, did you feel in the... I don't know. I guess, was there... The way that I kind of look at this is, um, whatchamacallit, um, crap, uh, To Kill a Mockingbird and Ghost Set a Watchman, the, um, like, 
To Kill a Mockingbird is a very idealistic book mm-hmm. and, you know, people love it and it was it made them feel a certain way and, you know, people named their dogs Atticus because mm-hmm. of Gregory Peck and whatever. And then Ghost of a Watchman comes out and it's, you know, Atticus is actually a racist and, you know, Scout has to deal with a very um, upper, the, the upper crust of the town uh, in Alabama so do you get kind of any of those vibes in between the uh, like with the miniseries, this kind of like breaking of the I don't know. It feels like the series run was very like kind of perfect. And then the year in the life was a was a lot more messy, mm-hmm. you know, showing these characters are messy. What do you, would you agree with that? Do you disagree with that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, well, like all the town yeah. characters that had such developed stories, like the tiny townspeople, you just like see them walking by and they get one line. Like, it's just not as satisfying. The character development is shallow in the story and the life. That's true. But you already know so much about them. It's almost like, well, what do you expect? Well, I guess one of the things that we talked about a lot at the show, at the beginning of the show, and what I kind of want to probe a little bit deeper is the relationship you had with your mom in regards to this show. And then like holding off, if you're comfortable, of course, mm-hmm. uh, holding off, watching it, um, and then watching it with Jamie. Mm-hmm. And I kind of would love to hear a little bit about that experience and the differences and what it felt like and kind of how your perspective changed in between these two major, major events in Mm -hmm. your life with this show that you love so much. Well, my mom and I, like when we watched it together, I feel like we experienced it in a very similar way and that I don't, we cried about the same things. Like we laughed about the same things and we, every time we would like have an input, it would be very similar to each other. And so like when I, was going to watch it with Jamie. I put it off so long because I was like, obviously, it's going to be nothing like that. Like, Jamie doesn't have the same sense of humor as me and the same perspective on things as me. And, like, it's still enjoyable. Like, I was still, like, I want to experience this with Jamie, but I was scared that, like, he wouldn't laugh at the same things or he wouldn't feel drawn to the same characters that, like, my mom and I were always on the same page about because that's just our personalities. We were just always on the same page and always had a lot to say in agreement usually. And so that was a big reason why I put it off so long with Jamie. I just didn't know how it was going to feel, if it was going to feel as like satisfying, I guess. Like it being my favorite show, obviously I wanted it to be like a good experience with him. But Mm. I mean, by the time in our relationship when we did watch it five years later, like, I felt like I had shared all my feelings about my mom and my experiences in that he could at least understand my perspective when we were watching the show. Like, I wasn't feeling like it was going to be invalidating, kind of like I was before, if that makes sense. Like, I felt like at least he would understand where I was coming from when I shared how I felt about a particular thing, instead of just being like, oh, whatever, that wasn't significant to me. And so when I shared it with him, it, like, meant more to me. And I feel like it went well. Do you feel like it went well, Jamie? Yeah, I mean, for me, I mean, that's really was, like, my foot in the door. Not that I my, it was my foot in the door to, like, female lead shows. I definitely had watched some before, but, like, post that I've done now Desperate Housewives and we're getting into Sex and the City and mm-hmm. 
and shrill and 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 broad city came after that and all of, all of these things um so it, it i mean it definitely went well it was a first first into that type of show uh even if personally to me the mother daughter thing i obviously can't understand yeah. obviously i just you know so he I, could still understand parts of it because he knew what i felt about it too and so that was Still good, but that's funny to me that you say that you didn't watch shows with like strong female leads because, like, I felt like that was exclusively what I watched before I met you and broadened my perspective to more like action y kind of things. I don't know, so we all bring different things to the table. And Jamie, did you realize that this was so like, did you realize it was a big deal that Mary Margaret was sharing Gilmore Girls with um, you when she decided? I mean, I knew, so I just thought, honestly, this is, before this conversation, I didn't know she really thought about it much before she actually showed it to me. I mean, I knew we watched a lot of TV together, but, um, I, you know, I knew her and her mom had watched Gilmore Girls, and I knew it was probably going to be an emotional show, um, but, you know, yeah, I, 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 I didn't realize that it was as important as it was until we were watching it and we would get to a certain part and she would pause it and be like, this is the episode where me and my mom talked about this for the first time because Lorelai and Rory talked about it for the first time. Yeah, I didn't and, even think about that, Jamie. Or we would get to you know an argument they had and Mary Mar would be like, me and my mom definitely had this, ar- like, this argument and then we watch this show, and it helped us understand the other person's perspective. And so that, you know, watching it through with her, it, it helped me understand. And I, you know, I understood Mary Margaret and Kathleen's relationship as best I could um, before, but it definitely helped me understand, you know, the way Kathleen thought a little bit better and how similar her and Mary Margaret are, so... You know, that that was a, a big part of it. And by the end, I think I understood it, even though, or at least more understood it than I did at the beginning. Mary Margaret, are you willing to share some of those uh, moments that Jamie just kind of touched on? Like what you, like uh, moments where they had conversations, that you had conversations with your mom where you were like be better able to understand perspective? Or do you remember an instance where you like paused it, like Jamie said, and broke um, it down? Okay, him, how like, about what... like going back to when Rory lost her virginity because I'm open to talk about anything. I thought it was interesting okay. how before that, Rory and Lorelai had a very open relationship about like, sexuality and about Rory's boyfriends and like how far they had gone or whatever because Lorelai wanted to keep her safe and then the moment that Rory like went too far and told her mom like admitted it immediately her mom just like turned on her and became this different like angry like mother type which makes sense but my mom and I totally went through that same situation when I first had sex and I told her because she had always told me well, tell me when you have sex so that we can be smart about it. And her response was so, like, pushed back and, like, just, I don't, it was, it was surprising. And, like, I shouldn't have been surprised in a way because, like, I saw that same thing with Lorelai and Rory, but I thought that that was because she was sleeping with a married man. But it could have been just the fact that Lorelai wasn't ready for that at all. And so, I don't know, that one really resonated with me and I'm sure that resonates with a lot of mother-daughter relationships where you get to that moment where you're like 
well, I want to be open about this because I want to be safe and make the right choices. But at the same time, your mom doesn't really want you to be open about that because she's protective of you. So like kind of like that dynamic really made sense in my life. Mm. And that's like a female thing. I guess it's a female specific thing that you could never really relate to. Like that's just a parent thing yeah yeah maybe it's just a parent thing but like girls specific birth control kind of crisis i th- i mean i agree i think it's very much a you know a guy telling his dad that he's lost his virginity is very different from a girl telling i think it's different in any you know whether or not a guy tells his mother or his father you know, that they've lost their virginity versus a woman saying the same thing. Cause there's mm-hmm. a whole bunch of, you don't know what cultural hangups you're walking into, you know, um, you know, or the gendered expectations that people have of one another. Yeah. Uh, I think that the, those experiences are just really, really wholly unique. So did that conversation, was it like one of those things that, you told your mother that you had lost your virginity and then it came back to you that that's how Lorelai had reacted. Yeah. Like it just, I just made that connection. We had already watched it years in the past. I mean, in high school and this was in college when this conversation happened, I just remember her response. I just made that connection that it was similar to Lorelai's that like initial, like anger, like maternal kind of protection is what I feel like it is. So then did you, like, use, I don't know, was there, like, did Gilmore Girls then help provide a framework about <laughs> no, I mean, the next conversation? I didn't think was, about like, it or anything. I angry the whole time? I didn't, okay. Yeah, I mean, I just kind of ended the conversation like, well, I'm going to do what I want, and you told me to talk to you about it, so I'm being the mature person. And she was like, yeah, you're right. And so that was that. <laughs> so. Okay. I love it. <laughs> Just got to keep it real. Uh, yeah. No, that's funny. Oh, that's great. Um, well, cool. Hmm. Um, do you have anything else? Any storylines or characters that we haven't really talked about? We haven't talked about Melissa McCarthy in this show, and she's I amazing. Oh, my God. That's, she's fun. We keep saying Richard's the best character. Suki's the best character. Really? Because she's a cook and she's batshit insane. She is crazy. Is she crazy? So what? It, what? For you know me who only casually watched and only know like oh Melissa McCarthy. Um, what she... was her? Was her role? What does she do? And Jamie, shut the hell up. Let Mary Margaret speak. Uh... <laughs> Go. Mary well, she's Lorelai's best friend. <laughs> I mean, she's the chef at the inn where Lorelai works and eventually they become partners and open their own inn and they kind of like grow up together in a way like you see Suki get married and have children throughout the show but she's always been this like kind of like clumsy forgetful character who's like I don't know she's silly and she's fun and she's flippant and she's she's just kind of like that funny side best friend character that every show needs that's not like super deep like she doesn't have a deep backstory she just kind of is that fun role like in talking about so stars hollow like does it ever explain how lorelei chooses stars hollow does it ever explain like how they became friends or does it not get that deep 
I don't really think it explains how Lorelai chooses it. I feel like maybe they mentioned that she gets on a bus from Hartford, and we know it's 30 minutes away from Hartford, Connecticut, which is where her parents live and where she grew up. So maybe that's just where she happens to get off, and it kind of acts like she happens to walk into this inn, and she asks for a job, and they see her baby, and they're like, yeah, you can work here. You can be the cleaning shift kind of girl. And so that's kind of how she gets connected. And then I feel like she meets the whole town, but you never see that part of the story. So mm. it's hard to really know. And then do you ever see how like she becomes friends with Sookie? Because no. her name is Sookie St. James. Sounds right. like a very rich name. Mm-hmm. So I just, I'm intrigued to see if mm. they ever explored that. Not at all. Dynamic, they don't right? really explore how that started where you drop in. She's already the chef and Lorelai is the manager of the inn. So really you drop into the middle of their friendship already. Okay. And is she like a presence through like the end of the show? Oh, definitely. Or does she? Okay. Okay. She's pretty much always in the show, except not in the day in the life, not the after show. Hmm. But um, she was too famous then. I think yeah, I think that is what it was. Man, Melissa McCarthy. Mm-hmm. Um, I love her well, so much. Jimmy, do you have any other questions? Um, no. Unless, like I said, you have any nothing else? We talked about Suki. All right. Well, uh, no, I think that's it then. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Mary Margaret, for uploading uh, Go More Girls into the QDub database. Uh, it was really, thank you for being open and talking about how much the show meant to you. It was really cool uh, to hear all of the different things, especially as someone. Now, I'm going to go find it. I'm going to go not passively absorb it yeah. like I did last time. Yeah, um, absolutely. But thanks so much for sharing. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks so much, Mary Margaret. Yeah, of course. For coming over. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm Stephen for Jamie. This has been the Queued Up Database. Uh, thank you for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Bye.